Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fully Grown Podcast, Ministry of Turner Christian Church. I am Pastor Jack. I am Pastor Rachel. And I'm Pastor Matt. Hello and welcome in everyone to the Fully Grown Podcast, a ministry of Turner Christian Church. This is episode 115 and we're excited to be with you this morning. We are talking about um, love, the Advent theme of love, and Pastor Rachel is going to lead us off uh, in that topic. Yeah, so um, I do the prayers of the church most Sundays and this Sunday I was preparing to pray on the topic of love and I've just been feeling um, kind of a, a lack of love in, in my life recently. I am um, still building roots here in Turner and I'm physically separated from all the the people that I love the most and that I share the deepest love in my life with and feeling really inadequate um, praying through the the prayer topics on love. And I actually ended up turning to... Um, the book Song of Songs as I was preparing my prayers on on Sunday. And I was just so, so strengthened and encouraged. The Song of Songs is just a beautiful book that um, I think a lot of uh, married couples can draw just wisdom and joy from, um, describes a lot of um, intimate pleasures, and it's really wonderful. But it also reflects, um, reflects uh, the love that God has for us. And so when I'm reading verses like uh, his banner over me be love and uh, my beloved is mine and I am his, I am drawn uh, mentally and emotionally to the love that I have for my savior and he has for me. And just that in this Christmas season, as we celebrate um, love come to earth, just what a powerful and all encompassing thing that is. And, um, and so I, I am single and I do live alone and I am uh, right now physically separated from the people that I love the most, but um, I am so deeply loved in an all-encompassing way. And it was so beautiful to spend time meditating on that and then to be able to pray about love with my church family. Yeah, you know, I think with the topic of love, we have to be careful about what we allow to define love in our lives. Um, and I, I say that with the idea that if we allow society to define love in our lives, that can be a really dangerous thing. It can cause us to have misguided thoughts and, and ideas about what what life is. And it can even kind of misguide our thoughts on, on Scripture, um, thinking, you know, with with the, the Scriptures that you we're, we're drawn to, um, you know, if we allow society to define our ideas on lo- on love, then that makes us really uncomfortable in approaching Jesus in any way that re- even relates to Song of Songs, because it's, it's a book just about, you know, the relations between uh, uh, a man and his wife. And so it's like, eh, and it can make us very uncomfy. And I don't think the Bible defines love in the same ways that society defines love. And so we have to be very careful to make sure that um, we are approaching Scripture and saying, Scripture is going to define love for me, not not society. Um, and, you know, it's even kind of reached a point where sometimes Scripture, um, I, I want to figure out how, how to say this, like there, there are Scriptures that have just become wedding, wedding passages, mm. when in reality they're not even related to weddings in Scripture. Sure, they can relate to the, the love shared between a husband and wife, but 
it's not particularly specifically about about weddings but because we've allowed society to define love we go then go back to the bible say oh look at this passage that says love is patient love is kind like that's marriage right there and then you read it every wedding that's ever happened um it can apply yes but you have to let scripture define it first and and determine how we are going to love others um and that can be reflected in our in our marriages yes if we are married but it can also be reflected in every other relationship that we have so absolutely absolutely and i and i think we also can often buy into the lie that a romantic relationship is going to be the most fulfilling relationship that we have in our lives and um that's not how god designed us the most fulfilling relationship that we will ever have in our lives is our relationship with jesus yeah yeah every single relationship should be defined by how how our love is defined within that relationship specifically that it's kind of a, a trickle down effect i'd say um with love it is how how is my relationship with jesus and how is love defined in that relationship and then how does that kind of uh kind of inform me and in how i love others um in my life yeah you know it's interesting to think about how we bring our thoughts about love into the Bible, because we can't help but import our ideas into the text until we have to, until we learn how they might be different. I've just been thinking about the way we picture God loving us. And on the one hand, I think that if we, if we picture God loving us the way society teaches us to love others, that might provide some reason why we're often afraid that God will abandon us, or we assume that God has given up on us because the the way our modern culture talks about love is so self-centered it's all about how the person i love makes me feel and so it's actually all about me so i do love another person the way i love my favorite drink or my favorite snack like i love the way it makes me feel it's like i i love macaroni salad until i don't like there is a point and i it's different every time but there is there for one From one bite to the next, macaroni salad goes from delicious to noxious, and I just don't want anymore. And that will happen with people, um, and so that so that our definition of love is very capricious. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we, if we if we think God loves us that way, it actually introduces this idea that maybe God is the same way. But on the other hand, I think that we are more tempted to think of God's love as not really love, but just an abstract. Like, like the way a grandparent loves their grandkid they don't really know very well and they send them money on their birthday kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, he generally likes me and we coexist, um, but we don't have any real passion there. And so I, I think that what's really valuable is you're talking about reading Song of Songs and seeing that, that reflecting the way God loves us. Um, it's not distant and dispassionate. It's not just a vague, you know grandfather likes to give me things it's a he loves us and he cherishes us and he he chases after us and that's what we see in christmas is that god loved us so much that he sent his son down here to us he it was it was the very opposite of distant disinterested vague love it was i'm going to get down in the mud with you and be as close as i can to you to to save you um, and at the same time, th- this is something that's come up a lot in our sermons in this series, that that love is um, not capricious. It is steady. It is dedicated. It is, it's not based on from one bite to the next, God's going to get tired of you. It is God has committed to loving us, even when we make him feel very bad. 
you know? And so I think that, that you guys are both absolutely right about learning what the Bible really means by love when we, when we talk about how God loves us. Um, I just say that, and I don't say this to guilt trip anyone, but just imagine, imagine what our churches and our world would look like if we were to love like, like God loves, you know, you kind of talk about how love is not this idea of loving someone else because of how they make us feel. I mean, I'm sure humanity has made God feel pretty bad in a lot of different ways and for a long, long period of time. Right. And that's just the reality. That's not to say everyone is terrible and life is just awful and all that stuff. It's just, that's the reality. And, you know, we're kind of seeing that throughout the the story, um, our sermon series. And um, just imagine if God loved us based on how he felt like he would have been long gone a long time ago, I feel like, but because he loves us in a way that's like, Hey, I, I'm committing to, to loving you in kind of in an action type way. Like I am not going to um, depart from you. I am going to love you. Like just imagine if our churches and, and just we loved each other like that, not based on how so-and-so made me feel today. I just, I'm loving you no matter what happens. And that's not to say that like I have to get through anything and, you know, it's just, it, it is going to be bad, but there are good times too. But yeah. Well, and I think there's there's even a, a step before that of um, how are you allowing yourself to be loved by God right now? And um, uh, one of the verses in um, the Song of Songs in chapter 2, verse 5, that really struck with me, strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Like thinking, when I read that, I, I felt overwhelmed and overcome, but in my day-to-day life, when is the last time that I, you know, felt faint with love for, for the God, um, who loves me. And, um, when, when we're struggling to be loved by God, then it's often very hard for us to love others. Um, even if we have allowed, um, our thoughts to be guided by scripture, even when we're telling ourselves, um, you know, that we need to be loving, um, if we're not, sitting in the presence of taking time to sit in the presence of God and, and be deeply loved by him, we can often feel pretty thin and burdened in the way that we're trying to love others. And so I, I think, you know, in this, in this Christmas season, as we think of love come to earth, um, are, are you allowing yourself to be loved because you are so deeply loved by your creator? Yeah. Yeah. As you were talking, it just kept thinking of, examples in the Bible where it talks about how we love because God loved us and that idea that we don't manufacture God lo- godly love we receive it and we pass it on you know and like I was kind of feeling convicted myself during the sermon because we were talking about how the Israelites made a bad choice and God loved them and stuck with them through it and I realized I have a pattern of being really bad at sticking with people through choices that I think are really bad I struggle with that and so hearing that story of God doing that reminded me that God does that, which reminds me of when God has done that for me and, and drives me to, to change the way I behave with others when I, when I struggle in that situation. And so that, that love that we have, um, it comes from being loved by God. And it, so, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right that we have to be able to receive the love of God because that's the love that we can offer to other people. We can't just manufacture it out of our own willpower. And just because we've decided we're going to be loving people, we receive it from God and it flows out from us. 
Alrighty, on this segment of the Fully Grown Podcast, we're going to be asking a few questions and just chatting about those questions for a little bit. So we're in the book of First Samuel, and so we're going to be asking a few questions kind of related to, to that story that we covered on Sunday. So my first question is, why did God choose Saul? This is a really interesting question because um, it can seem really simple. But it, when you get closer to it, it's not quite as simple because we talked about in the sermon how there's to a certain degree, there's a question even of who really chose Saul. Um, what seems to be happening is the, the covenant is an agreement between God and his people that is it's like a constitution. It, it's it's a co- the kind of document they would use in governments. And and if you were like a province, you could ask the emperor to give you a king. And it was the emperor's job to choose someone. And so it kind of reflects that type of arrangement. So they ask God to give them a king because God, as their, as their ultimate king, has the right to choose the person. But there's also the sense that we saw in the sermon that God, they're asking for a king at a particular time for a particular purpose. And so God is, when God agrees to give them a king, he's agreeing not just to give them a king, but to give them a king under those circumstances to address those problems. And so God chooses Saul. And so uh, we know that God was, that Saul was God's choice, but what we aren't told is his reasoning for that choice. And we're never really given a window into God's decision-making process. So um, we know, so, so we, the simple answer is the Bible doesn't tell us why he picked Saul. But as you pick up the kind of breadcrumbs of the story, you see, first of all, we know why the people wanted Saul because he was tall. In fact, the language that's used there is the same words that are used for when Eve takes the fruit, um, which this isn't the first time the Bible has repeated those words where they, they, take, they see that something's good and they take it. So they saw Saul, that he was good, and they took him. And so we know that the Israelites were tempted by his stature and his wealth and all of that. And then later on, as we talk about in the sermon, Samuel says, you chose him. So there is definitely in the text this strong sense that um, that Saul was chosen because of the Israelites' expectations. But that's all we're really told about God's reasoning. The only thing, the only other thing we can say is that it was a genuine choice. God did genuinely choose Saul, um, and he did. I mean, he gave him the Holy Spirit. He gave him everything that a king of his people would get, and so um, he did genuinely choose Saul. But there seems to be this sense that he's not the person God would have chosen if he had done it without, if he had, if it had been just God's choice. Um, so did God want Saul to succeed? That is an excellent question. And it, and it, in the books that I have on First Samuel, it's a huge um, rabbit hole to go into about uh, in terms of what people will try and say, but ultimately I think we get, because there is a sense if God, if he wasn't the one God chose, then is God really, does God really have his back? Is, is God really in it? Or is he just putting him up there to let him fail? So God can choose his own person. And I don't think that God is that disingenuous. I think God honors, he, I think he honored the covenant in good faith. And like I said, he gave Saul all the advantages that a king should have. He gave him the Holy Spirit. He gave him victories. He gave him uh, a, a prophet who could advise him 
in God's will. He And when Saul messes up in the story that we looked at in chapter 13, Samuel specifically tells him, um, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. So God did want Saul to succeed, and he was willing to give him the full benefits of that success. But Saul was just not the kind of person, he turned out not to be the kind of person that would make those good decisions. And so um, just because God, the fact that God gives us free will means that he can want us to succeed and we can still fail, which is ultimately what Saul did. He just couldn't overcome his as we'll, we'll see in the next sermon, he couldn't overcome his, his selfishness and his arrogance and, and these different character traits that made him a bad candidate to be king in the first place. You know, I think sometimes when talking about um, Saul, there's often the his capacity for good is left out of the conversation. And the conversation is just about all the terrible things that he did and the bad decisions he made and, and things of that nature. And so kind of initially looking at the text my my thought process went and i'm not saying this is correct but my thought process was well saul ended up being a really bad king was this god choosing saul so that he would be a bad king and then he could say look israelites you made a bad decision let me choose who i want specifically for you um and you know i'm not saying that that was the right thought process but that's kind of where my mind went so mm -hmm. that's kind of where a couple of these questions kind of came from yeah through my thought process so yeah, and I, I think that people have the have amazing capacities to to surprise us and to to grow. Actually, I've been reading two books recently. One on the assassination of um, James A. Garfield, who was the twentieth president, and he was shot uh, four months into his presidency, died two months later. And Chester Arthur, who we all know so well, right? Very very well remembered, cherished president don't really know anything about him. Chester Arthur came in, but the thing was Chester Arthur was, um, he had, he had no experience and he was actually like the stooge of Garfield's enemy. And everybody expected him to be just a terrible, like the worst president ever. And then this, this woman, a, a woman in Washington, DC, who was an invalid, just started sending him letters, encouraging him to step up and take responsibility. And he became an incredible president who dedicated himself to, um, fighting corruption, which was what Garfield was planning to do, and and ended up being a really well-respected president. And he rose to the occasion. Um, since then, I've started reading a book that talks about Johnson, who took over after Lincoln was shot. Complete opposite story. Just, just a terrible president, did not rise to the occasion, let every one of his temptations lead him into the wrong place, and it was a disaster. And so in both of those cases, you have a person who was in a situation that they weren't well-equipped for, and weren't well prepared for and by the choices they made they took two different paths and i think that's the freedom that we have and so um saul had that ability too and god recognizes that and ultimately it's saul's decisions that lead him into disaster yeah and i think it's valuable to to remember that that this is kind of a this is a story you know about what happened um while understanding that you know god can have his intentions and things of that nature, but also understanding that these are people making decisions. Um, I think it's valuable to remember that. Yeah. So my my final question here is, is this, and so you kind of made the point that um, the Israelites asking for a king wasn't against the law, right? It wasn't against the law. 
But if it wasn't against the law, did God kind of inspire Samuel's tirades of, of him kind of going off against the Israelites saying, you guys made a bad decision and you're going to see how bad of a decision it's going to be? Did God inspire that? Or was this kind of just Samuel assuming it was wrong and kind of going on his own and explaining why it's going to be bad? That is a really interesting question because it's one of the challenges of reading the Bible is how often should we assume that a person who is God's chosen leader or chosen spokesperson is doing what God wants them to do? Because sometimes it will say, God told them do this or say this, and then they'll go and say, do that. And then we know. But other times they'll just start saying things and they'll even speak on God's behalf. And we don't actually have it in the story that God told them to say that. And the question is, is that what they were supposed to say? And that's actually part of where the question comes in of, of is Saul responsible for his failure? Because uh, if Samuel isn't speaking for God in those places, then he's working really hard to undermine him. Um, but what I see in the story is that what Samuel says seems to be uh, consistent with those times when God does speak to him. So God speaks to him once, and then Samuel may share that with Israel in multiple stages, but it's all based on what God has said to him. Um, it does seem like um, his, his tirades do reflect what God said, um, but what they're doing is they're talking about the reason why it was a bad decision in that circumstance. He's not accusing them of breaking the covenant. He's saying this was the wrong time, the wrong reason to do this. And so I think that's why he can go after them really angrily for something that technically didn't break the covenant, um, because it's more of a, this was an unwise way to use the covenant. Um, but yeah, it does seem to all be consistent with what God has said to him. We want to thank you for joining us on the Fully Grown Podcast. And if you're listening to this on Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you're not listening to this on Christmas, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, all those good things. But uh, we do want to wish that you would stay healthy. Stay hopeful. And go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Mm-hmm.